0: The 9th of April, 2009, episode 109. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. For the show today, we're going to take a little bit different format, um... I finally got somebody to actually submit a question or a topic for a conversation on the show. So first of all, I want to thank Patrick for doing that. He actually sent in an audio clip of a question that he had with uh, his current situation of freelancing. So today today we're going to be talking a little bit about freelancing and some different issues that affect that uh, as far as, you know, keeping clients getting the right clients, ones that actually value your work and are going to pay for what it's worth, and uh, just making sure that you can keep your head above water while doing your freelancing. So that's what we're going to be covering today on the show. Uh, Before we get started, we have a couple of uh, things to cover here. Um, First of all, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in, downloading the uh, the audio files, or subscribing, or however you get it. Uh, I do appreciate that you follow the podcast and support what I'm doing here. So thank you for that. Um, thank you again for everybody that's been writing in. Uh, I've been a little bit busy lately, so I haven't had the chance to really uh, respond to people's emails like I, like I want to. So like I said, sometimes they come a little bit late, but I do try and answer everything that comes in. Uh, even if it's just a little, a little, email Pat on the back for for doing a good job on the show. I really appreciate everybody's input. And definitely, like I said, if you have any topics that you'd you'd want to cover on the show, that you want me to cover rather, uh, if you want to send in an audio clip like Patrick did, uh, if you have the capability of doing that, I definitely want you to do that. Uh, If you don't, you can just shoot me an email or put something up on the forum and hopefully I'll grab it off there and make a show out of it. But you can email me at rdpodcast at gmail.com, that's R-D as in Rookie Designer, RD Podcast at com, and just uh, throw up your subge- sub- suggestions, and uh, we'll try and get those covered. Um, it makes it a lot easier for me, and it makes it more interesting for me, because I want to hear what you guys are going through. I want to hear what you want to hear about, what you need to learn, uh, what you have questions about, what kind of situations you're finding yourself in when you're getting out there, working in the field, doing freelancing, or even working your, your regular job. It really it uh it helps me to understand you know the types of things that that I should be talking about with you guys uh if you do that um one new development I actually have finally broken down and started a Twitter account, and I did it for the podcast so the the I guess my Twitter name is Rookie Designer or at Rookie Designer. I'm not exactly sure how all this works just yet because I just set it up. Uh, I think I posted one thing and it was just me saying that I was, um, finishing up the videos for the app clinic that went out, uh, last week. Um, so this has been a couple weeks since I set it up. So, um, still getting the hang of it. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to use this. What I wanted to do is whenever I find something interesting, I want to just throw something up there. One thing I really dislike about Twitter is, um, The fact that most people use it to tell you what they're doing all day. I really could care less, you know, if somebody's at the grocery store picking up some milk, you know? I think Twitter can be a very good tool for business and for something like this podcast to where, you know, I can throw out little tips. You know, I don't do the rookie mistake tips anymore. I was thinking that might be one thing that I could throw up. Like, just when something comes to mind, I'll just throw up a thought of, you know, maybe you should try and avoid this. This happened to me before. Uh, Another thing is when I find uh, interesting links, Um, I did for a time try to... uh, Try to have like a little extra blog page on the rookie designer site to where I was going to put up, you know, different links to things that I thought were interesting. Uh, That didn't turn out to work very well because uh, I just didn't find the time. I didn't find myself up there doing it enough. Um, So I'm thinking, Hey, maybe this is a a good way for me to do it. So that might be something I do uh, to actually just put up links that I find to things that might be interesting to you guys. Um, Definitely updates on what's going on with the podcast. If I'm you know, under the weather or if I'm too busy, I'm not going to be able to put the podcast out when I when I think that it should be coming out. I'll just throw up a little update on Twitter for that. Um, what else? Uh, so like I said, my pet peeve is not only people that just use it to kind of, you know, share useless information about what they're doing – But I've also found a couple of others that are um, maybe a podcast or a business Twitter account where I thought it was going to be all good information, which is what I want to do. I want to give you relevant information every time I put something up. Either it's telling you about what's going on with this podcast or App Clinic, or it's giving you a tip just straight from me, or it's passing on a link that I thought was cool. Or, you know, if I find, sometimes I'm just out walking around shopping or something like that and I find something that's very interesting that I think, hey, I, you know, I should take a picture of that and, and share it with people. Uh, that could be another thing that I'd like to do. But I, I don't like these, these Twitter accounts that are business accounts that, <clears throat> or podcast accounts that give you some of that good information, but then also use it kind of as a personal forum for what they're doing this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to try and keep it clean like that. Try and keep it just to the relevant information so that if any of you guys want to follow it, you're getting uh, good information. You don't have to listen to me blab about what I'm doing with my personal life. So anyways, just another experiment um, for me to get into another technology. Uh, I know I'm really late with this, but like I said, I kind of had some... uh, I had some issues with, with doing the whole Twitter thing, but it's getting really, really popular. And it's a great way to instantly inform a bunch of people of what's going on. So that's, that's the thing that I like most is I can get you guys some, some kind of tips or or things like that right away. Or if there is something going on with the podcast, we have to cancel it or it has to be postponed. I can just stick a message out there real quick. and, And that way everybody knows what's going on or everybody that's on Twitter anyway. So, um, uh, long story longer. <laughs> I'm on Twitter now, and again, my username is Rookie Designer. So, um, not exactly. I think you should just be able to search for Rookie Designer, and you will be able to find it. But uh, we are on Twitter, so check it out. Last but certainly not least, this podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting, and GoToMeeting gives you a great way to do more and travel less, and also spend less. Uh, they do this because you can actually set up meetings from your computer and anyone across the universe can join that meeting as long as they have a computer also and an internet connection so they just log in through their browser and they can watch your meeting they actually watch what's going on on your desktop you can show them uh, just by going through the different applications or whatever you need to do you can actually show them what you're doing and you talk to them over the phone or over voice over IP or both and that way you can explain and they understand a lot better because they can not only hear you explaining it to them, but they can also see what's going on. Uh, you also save a bunch of money because you, play, you pay one flat rate and you meet as many times as you need to. So it's a great piece of software and you can try it for free for 30 days. You just need to go to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. And you'll fill out a little form there, and you can download the software and try it for free for 30 days. And in that 30 days, you can try it as many times as you want. Check out the features and make sure it's something that's going to be working for you. So check that out. So like I said at the beginning, the, uh, the topic today was brought to us by Patrick, one of our listeners. And he sent in an audio clip of his question. So let's go ahead and play that right now.
1: Hey, Adam. This is uh, Patrick from Woot Studio. Uh, I had a question for you and I was wondering if you could help me out. Um, Recently my job is, my full time job that I work is going under so I'm having to focus more on freelance and uh, side projects and um, I've only been uh, working my side job with freelancing for about a year and I've kind of run into some issues mainly I think with my clients um the quality of the clients that i'm getting really aren't adding up so i've gone through a lot of marketing material and most of the marketing material i'm reading is telling me that when you start out maybe you should do pro bono work or something to um you know just get your name out there but the problem is some of these sites i've been checking out they just they charge so little for the graphic design work i feel like it's just really undercutting the value of what i know i can do i mean i have five years experience in the print industry and i've worked for companies like xerox and kinkos and i i really feel like i have a decent solid background in um... in design and the print area. and i just don't think that i should be charging something lower than what it's worth for me to do it so i was wondering if you could give me some help maybe some marketing tips just something so that I can actually get clients who actually value my work instead of just bargain bin shoppers. Uh, Thanks for your help.
0: All right. One last time I want to thank Patrick for sending that in. I think it was an excellent question and it brings up a lot of different topics that we can talk about. Um, And one thing I want to point out, and I've said this several times, I used to say it more often, I think, back in the past, but – this podcast is about me and my opinions, and I certainly don't proclaim to be any kind of genius or expert in the the topics that we talk about. I'm just kind of giving my take. So um, just keep that in mind when we talk about this stuff, because there are several things that probably many of you guys have been doing or have done that I actually haven't experienced. So um not to say that I kind of uh talk from non-experience, you know, I try to relate it to everything or anything that I have done in the past. I'm not going to just start blabbing out whatever I think about something I really have no clue about. I will definitely be honest if, if it's something that that I haven't experienced and that I don't really know. Um, but I do try and relate it to experiences that I have had or, or things that I know have happened to other people that I've talked to them about. So, uh, just keep that in mind when we're going forward. But, um, because freelancing for me has been, uh, kind of a different experience. I found clients different ways and sometimes it happened a lot easier than maybe it should have. And got myself into the situation now where I don't actually have to go and find clients. So, And that kind of fell in my lap too. So I have been very, very lucky when it comes to doing side work. So um, when you guys are having problems, you, first of all, you, you definitely shouldn't feel like you're the only one having problems because one of the hardest things about freelancing is finding clients and finding good clients. And uh, you're going to find that's the struggle you know, as you go through. When you uh, start to build up a good amount of clients that want you to work on several projects or want to keep bringing you back almost on like a contract basis, um, that's when things start to turn in the right direction. That's when you have those regular jobs and then maybe they talk to somebody else and say, oh yeah, we use him for this or we use him or her for this and they do a great job. And that's when they start piling up and that's when you can actually find yourself with too many jobs, which is of course a good thing. Um, <clears throat> it takes a long time to work yourself up to that point. When you start out, everything is hard. You know, It's hard to find clients. It's hard to find clients that will pay you what you're worth and it's hard to find clients that are going to appreciate the the hard work that's going into it and, uh, you know, the effort and really recognize the effort that you're putting forth to make them, you know, a, a good product or a good uh, solution to their problem. So um, I have about five or six topics, I think, that I want to talk about out of this. And the first one is um, he talked about working for free, how people will tell you, yeah, it might be a good idea if you do some pro bono work at first. Uh, just to, to kind of get your feet wet, you know, get ready for what's to come. And while there are bad things about working for free, there are some good things about working for free as well. And I wanted to point some of those out. Um, I actually haven't really ever worked for free. I've done things for friends, which I, I guess you could say is working for free. But it was kind of um, it was kind of more to build my own skills, and that's. That's number one there is if you don't know how to do something or if you don't have a lot of experience doing a certain thing, like, let's say, making a website. And this came up, uh, I think, in the last podcast or the one before. No, I think it was the last one. It was when I did my speaking thing. And somebody said, well, how do you move from print to web? Well, one of the ways to do it is practice. And practicing is something you should probably do while you're working for free. Either doing it for yourself or maybe doing it for, you know, a friend or something like that and letting them know, of course, up front that, hey, this isn't something that I usually do. This is kind of like um, honing my skills and it's kind of like practice for me. Make sure that they know that, you know, if you're not if you're not being paid for it, that's, that's one thing and that's a good thing because you never want to give a product that... Um, that basically makes you look like you don't know what you're doing and be, and to have you charge for that. I mean, that's not a good idea. So, um, working for free can benefit you because you can either learn new things. You can try new things that you haven't tried before, learn new things. Uh, you can practice at stuff that maybe you're not so that that's so, uh, so good at already. And, um, you can also build up your portfolio. And when everybody's starting out, and this is why typically people say, you know, when you're starting out, maybe it's a good idea that you do free work. And it's because of all these things. It helps you build up your skills. And it gives you the opportunity to put something new in your portfolio. If you can't necessarily, if you're not, uh, let's say, good enough to go out and start getting clients that are going to pay you, um it's hard to fill up that portfolio other than doing things just on your own for yourself or, you know, just for the sake of doing a project. So working for free is a good way to build portfolio projects and again, honing those skills or even trying something different that you haven't been able to try for before. A lot of times when you do pro bono work, you're going to be doing it for um, some kind of nonprofit organization because they're typically the ones that don't have the money to pay you. On that same token, and I think this came this came up on the forum. I think that's where I read it. Um, you don't always have to not charge if it's a non nonprofit organization. Those people do get money. They get grants. Um, they have different funding. It could be from you know federal or state government, or it could be um, from other sources. But they do have money. So um, working for free doesn't always have to be. The answer there, you can maybe ask them just for just as a at a reduced rate. Say, you know, I usually charge um, forty bucks an hour or something like this, but uh, for you guys, I'll charge ten bucks an hour. Or say, you know, I usually would charge a thousand dollars for for this project, but I'm just going to charge you guys a um, hundred bucks or two hundred bucks or something like that. So, but you know, you might find yourself in a position where you are working for free for a nonprofit, which is is okay. And like I said, you get those same benefits from working for free. Um, you don't necessarily have to be uh, at your best, I guess. I mean, always you're going to strive to be your best. But um, like I said, if you want to try something new that you haven't tried before, well, they're not paying you anyways. So maybe that's an opportunity to to get that under your belt. Um, the other reason, I guess, maybe you might work for free for a nonprofit organization is the fact that you believe in what they do. And... I mean, that's just you on your giving side. So uh, that's obviously a personal choice, but one that you could definitely make. And again, you're still going to reap all those other benefits of, of getting practice and honing your skills and maybe having a, a nice portfolio piece to show for at the end of it. So um, should you work for free or should you not? I, I think that's kind of a choice that you have to make. Um, one thing I definitely say is don't feel like you have to work for free at first because you definitely don't. If you've had your schooling, any kind of schooling, if you've trained yourself, you know, from books or videos or something like that, um, you know what you're worth or you should know what you're worth. And if you don't, uh, all I would say is you know, don't try and compare yourself to other people too much. I mean, you can look at what other people do, but you have your own specialty skills and they have their own. And some of those people have been out there for a really, really long time. So uh, I think some of the worst things that you could do is go out and look at somebody else's work and really try and compare yourself to, to someone else, you know, other than maybe someone you know is at your same level. But even then, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody does things a different way. So you might have your own uh, your own specialties uh, that the other person that you're comparing yourself doesn't have. So it's hard, it's hard to make, your, make comparisons between yourself and others. So that's not the best way to figure out, you know, what level you're at or how much you're worth. Um, I think you just kind of have to know that, you know, I can do this A, B, and C, and that should be worth this much money to the clients. It's like I said before, it's the hardest thing about freelancing is figuring out what to charge and there are several different factors that play into it, but basically it boils down to how much money do you want to make and how much do you think you're worth? How much How much do you think your skills are worth? And as we heard in the question with Patrick, I mean, he, I think he's got a pretty good handle on where he's at in his career and in his skills and what he thinks he can do. Uh, he, as he said, he's been working for five years. If you've been working for five years, you've you're pretty well in tune with what's going on and what you need to get done and what what has to be executed to get a project done the right way and for that you should be paid what you're worth again what are you worth that's for you to decide so uh should you work for free though uh, if you want to basically is is the answer that I would have you know like I said you don't have to if you're just starting out you don't have to work for free if you're able to find clients that will pay you for jobs and uh things go well you know you do the job and they pay you and they're not steaming like we shouldn't even have paid you for this because it's not worth that then you're fine you're doing fine and you know maybe getting a client and if things don't go well maybe that's just your gauge you know maybe that tells you you know you need a little bit more practice before you get go out and get another customer but uh you know, there's no harm, in, no harm in trying. I mean, there will be a little harm maybe if things don't go well, but uh, it might be the only way that you can figure out where you're at. My next topic is where are you looking for clients? And I think this is part of the problem of maybe sometimes you can't find the right clients. Where are you looking for them? So there's lots and lots of different places to look for freelance clients some of them happen, you know, just by talking to people and that's that's the one thing that I would say is your your best ally in starting a freelance business is to talk to people. Let people know that this is what you're doing. And then maybe if somebody they know all of a sudden has a friend that says, "Oh, I need this website done." Then that light light bulb will go on and they'll say, "Oh, my friend just started a freelance business." Some of it happens that way and Really, with word of mouth it's hit or miss. you know you never know what you're going to get. Now, I had uh, a person that worked with me at the full-time job that I work at right now. He was a salesman, and he left and started his own business, um, basically reselling the units that we make and then units from other companies as well. So um, he passed my name along to another person that he was working with, and it was it, it was a good I think it was a good pass on because everybody's in that same industry. Everybody's very professional. Uh, It's the same kind of stuff that I was used to at my full-time job. So I think that was a a good channel for me to get that lead from. Um, If you just tell your buddy that you're doing freelance and he's talking to some other person at a bar or something, and uh, they need a website built for something or other and you get that job, you know, it could go either way. It could be, you know, the best client that you ever have. Maybe they end up, um, you know, maybe it's the, maybe it's the next Twitter or the next Facebook or something like that. It's just somebody with this crazy bright idea and maybe it works out really well. Or, you know, maybe it's just something dumb that, that, you know, you get one little job out of it and it wasn't really that pleasant working with them and you didn't get paid that well. So it's really hard to tell. I mean, th- there's no way to say, hey, this is going to be a good lead. And that's just business in general. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to turn out to be a great lead and what's going to be a uh, not so great lead. Um, Other places that you might look is uh, actually going to a business, going to them and saying, hey, you know, I've seen your materials. Here's what I have to offer. If you ever need some services, then here we go. You know, let's let's do some business together. And you have a little bit more control that way, although you never know how that business owner is going to react, how they're going to be. So you're kind of in the same position. But at least you have the control over knowing, you know, I can either go into this little divey-looking restaurant and try and get work from them, or I can go into this upscale retail store and try and get work from them. You have a little more control over who your client is going to be at least, what kind of uh, product they sell or what kind of service they might need. You have that more control over that. Uh, Another place you might go is to the web, and this is where it can get sketchy as well. Um, Lots of people put freelance jobs on sites like Craigslist, and... This can and cannot also be a good place to go. You never know what you're going to get up here. There's a lot of stuff I see on Craigslist that is just ridiculously undercut um, as far as freelance jobs as well as design jobs. Now, there are some things up there that are good, and it's kind of a hard resource to gauge because it's free, at least in in the city that I live in. It's free. I think in like... San Francisco and L.A., some of the bigger markets, I think they actually charge people to put up jobs, uh, put job postings up there. But for the most part, in most places, it's free. And that causes a problem because anybody can do it. So people that have good jobs are going to do it because, hey, it's it's another free resource for me to put it out there and potentially find some good people to work for me. On the other hand, it's also free to people who are just trying to... Uh, you know, undercut or scam people into doing work for them for the, you know, the bare minimum. So it's bad in that way. So you really have to gauge it yourself if there is. A lot of people do put, you know, how much you're going to make either per hour or tell you that it's contract. That's, That's your first step is to look at that and be like, okay, is this worth it or is it not? The next thing is to I'd like to actually look at how professionally the ad is written. You know, does it sound like they know what they're talking about? If it doesn't, many times it's going to be a smaller company that's looking for somebody. They think they can just find some designer that that can do everything, that can do, you know, flyers and do their website for them and, you know, maybe shoot some video for them. And you're going to do all of this for $10 an hour. I mean, you can kind of get that feel from some of them that they don't really know what's going on and they're not really going to be willing to spend all that much money on you. So beware of that. Beware of that, and just kind of, you know, if if it's written out like a, a normal job proposal is, like a job posting is, where they give you the description of the company, you know, how many years they've been around, what kind of business they do, what kind of clientele they bring in, um, they have a description of the responsibilities, uh, a description of you know the actual tasks that you will be responsible for. Um, the requirements that they have, whether it be like software or a certain amount of years of school or a degree, whatever that is, if they list all these things, then uh, those are the ones I tend to, to think, okay, these people know what they're doing. This sounds more like uh, an actual job. That's not just somebody trying to cheat me out of money. So when you're looking online, I would look for those different types of things, um, but look everywhere because... Even even uh, websites like Creative Hotlist will sometimes have freelancing gigs or like a contract gig, which contracting is uh, similar to freelancing. Sometimes in contract work, they'll actually want you to work on site, though. But they will usually tell you that it's on the, on site that you actually have to come into their office to work. Um, but contracting can be a very good way to work. It's basically how I work for the marketing person that I work with now. Um, it's just kind of known that the next time he has a project, it's going to come to me. So that's basically what contracting is. They might actually, you can get to the point where you actually both sign a contract saying um, that you're basically there. You're on call when they need you. You're going to be there and you're going to do the work for them. So it's kind of like it's kind of like having a good freelance client that you know is going to be there in the future. Um, But definitely look around on different websites. There are um, multiple sites. And there are sites out there that are solely based for freelancing, too. And I talked about one of these a long, long time ago. I can't even remember what it was called. It was was like Creative Moonlighter or something like that. I don't... I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's at least a few sites out there that are basically a list of jobs, and you pay for the privilege to be able to go in and bid on those jobs. And whoever, you know, the client looks at all the different bids, all the different proposals for the job, and whichever one they like best, they choose them. And then if you get chosen, then you get to work for that client. Um, While I think this is a a decent way of finding clients, especially if you're not good at getting out and talking to people... um, I didn't have much luck. And I my theory on the reason for this is other people would go up and undercut me. They would say I'll do all this work and I'll do it for, you know, $20 an hour or something like that. So I found that it's really hard to um it's really hard to ask for the money that you think the project is actually worth and get the job. And you're always going to find this because um, some people will just work for less because they're crazy, I guess. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, other people are just starting out just you know, newer to the, to the process and don't think they're worth as much and they will charge less. And that happens a whole lot. And uh, I didn't have a whole lot of experience at the time that I was doing it. So that could have also factored in. They could have said, well, this guy's only been working a few years. Uh, I want somebody more experienced. That most definitely could have been one of the reasons as well, but I bid on, uh, I don't know, probably 50 different jobs and never got a sniff from one of them. So, um, I'm, th- and I didn't, I didn't devalue myself at all. So I'm thinking that the reason was that I was more expensive than the other people. And when it boils down to it, a lot of people are just cheap. They just, they want whoever is cheaper. They don't care if the quality is, is much, much less, uh, or they don't know the difference. And that, in many cases, is, is the case as well because um, they just don't know. You know, they haven't been out there. So many times I've seen sale, the salesman guys come into my job, come into the marketing department with a flyer that's just riddled with stuff like all over. It just looks terrible and say, we need something more like this. You know, this is what they're used to. They're not, they're not trained to know that, you know, there's too many things on that page to look at. That's not good advertising. So... Some people just don't know. They they have a different idea of what um, the best quality is. Uh, the next thing on my list is how are you selling yourself? And this has to do with a lot of factors. Um, how are you marketing yourself? What kind of materials do you have? And one thing to talk about with that, and I can't remember where I've read this one, But uh, talking about marketing and making the marketing materials for yourself, if you have uh, business cards, you should definitely have business cards. If you have a website, if you have maybe flyers that you pass out, um, just be careful. Don't fall into this trap of spending hours and hours and hours on your own marketing stuff. And, you know, you're not doing any work when you're doing that. Or you're doing work, but you're not making any money. You're not working for anyone else. You're not bringing in anything, any clients, or bringing in any money at that time. So, be careful. I mean, make your stuff you know straight and to the point. Uh, get the message out that you want to get out, and you want it to look nice, of course, because you it's it's reflecting on your own skills and the type of quality of work that you're putting out. But don't spend forever on it. You know, you're gonna find yourself. Uh, done with something that looks perfect? And then how many clients have you missed out while you were doing that? So be careful with that. But how are you you selling yourself? And first of all, let's go back to something that I've talked about in the past. And that is, what name are you using for your business? Are you just using your name? Or are you using a business name or some kind of combination of the both? And there are many things to talk about with this. But The main thing that I come up with, and if you're looking for clients that are maybe a a bit of a higher level client, um, do better business, make more money, and are thus able to pay you more money, then you might actually choose to go with a business name, a fictitious business name, which again, you do have to go and at least in California, you have to register that name, costs about 15 bucks for five years, and then that is your business name. If you're using your own personal name, then you don't have to do that. Um... But some of the advantages to having a business name, like my business name was uh, Titan Strides Creative, is first of all, it it takes away that that feeling that you're the only one that works for this company. Even if you are still the only one that works for the company, like I am, it makes it seem as though it's not just one person, because you don't just have that one name on it. Um, I think I mentioned some of the some of the negative things that that can come from having your own name on it. If something goes really wrong, then they know who to blame, (laughs) because your name is on it. Even if you outsource to something to someone else, but it came through you and went to the client through you, then you're the one to blame, and they have your name right there. So that could be a a drawback from using your own name. it makes it just seem like a smaller operation. Like I said, it seems like it's just you, um, which also makes it uh, more than likely that you're just working out of your house doing it, which isn't a bad thing, of course. It, it's, it's something that some people don't like, though. Some people want to see that you or want to believe that you have this business built up, that you know, you're working out of an office that you rent and uh, that you have a couple of people on staff. So you're kind of giving them that illusion, at least. I mean, if they really want to find out, then they'll find out. But you're at least giving that illusion when you first approach a company or, you know, somebody that you want to work for, that you're bigger than you are. And that, in many cases, can be good. You know, it can can come off as better to them. Um, Another thing is, uh, and I think I just read this. This was from Freelance Switch. Uh, FreelanceSwitch.com, which is a website that I recommend quite a bit. Um, They have have great things about freelancing, though. If you want to uh, read more about freelance work and and how to do different things, then this is an excellent resource for you. Um, They just brought something up here. Oh, they were talking about uh, P.O. Boxes. And P.O. Box works much the same way in that um, if you use your address... Then, if they know that that's your home, then they know that you work at home. <clears throat> and like we said, some businesses, some people might actually be turned off to the fact that you're working, you know, out of your basement or out of just another room in your in your home. So using a PO box kind of gives it more of that businessy feel again. So if you combine that with having a different business name and you have a PO box then you're really kind of keeping your anonymity as far as how many people work at the company and where the company is located so it's just another another added way to kind of um i guess trick the client into thinking that you're you're bigger big time more big time than you actually are so you know how how are you coming off to the client that's a that's a big part of it and that'll help you get better clients um is this a guaranteed method to get a client that'll pay you what you're worth instead of trying and lowball you? Absolutely not. Uh, like I said, it's a crapshoot no matter what, and you're going to have to go through clients that you don't want. It's it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think there's many ways to avoid it, but these are ways that you can potentially make yourself look better to a higher level of clients. And like I said, if you're the one controlling of it, if you're going out and and trying to spark these deals with these people, companies or these places, then you're going to have more control over, you know, the companies. And if something, if you go into a store and it's more upscale and it looks like a nicer place, then chances are um, it's because the people that own that place or the people that uh, at least hire the people to work for them, they know what's going on. They know that that there is a higher level of work and it's worth, you know, a little bit more money. You're going to have to pay a little bit more out to get that higher quality of service. So weeding out the bad ones, how do we do that? Uh, I think what we already talked about was the first step is you know going to those more upscale looking places, uh, places that you think that the, the owner might be a little more willing to shell out some more cash and, and get something better in return for it. That's step one. Step two, uh, Patrick talked about um, not having to devalue his services, not, not having to undercut himself. To go get jobs. Um, another typical thing that new freelancers do, and I, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the the freelance website, but new freelancers tend to charge way less than they're actually worth just so they can get jobs. Now, if you want to just work your fingers to the bone, be working you know, 12, 14-hour days and have clients out the wazoo, then this is a great way to do it. You can undervalue your work. You can work for way less than you should be working for, and you will, you will always have a lot of clients. I can almost guarantee that because there are a lot of cheap asses out there that don't want to pay what you're worth. Now, a couple of things that go along with that. Like I said, you're going to be working long hours. You're not going to be getting paid very much. And in most cases, you're probably not going to have a lot of por- portfolio pieces to show for it because... Um, if you've ever dealt with people like this that um, like to not pay what something is worth, they also like to control the project quite a bit. And they know what they want, and uh, they're not really too interested in what you have to bring to the table. They just want you to do the work. So uh, there's a lot of negative things that go along with that. But still, uh, I think a lot of people do it at first because either they want to be able to get a lot of work coming in or they're just kind of afraid and they, they don't think that they're really worth what they are. So I'd say one of the first, well, I guess this would be the second one. The second way to try and start weeding out some of those customers that um, we don't want is to make sure you charge what you're worth. And if that's you know $30 an hour or $20 an hour or $40 an hour, whatever you think it is, you stick to that price. Now, there are going to be cases where you might be a little more lenient. Uh, I had a client that I worked for, and I said, this is my hourly rate. And he said, well, I'm going to have you doing lots of projects. We we're probably going to be working together for a couple of years. So if we could knock that rate down a little bit, I can guarantee that you will get X amount of projects. And we kind of uh, had that agreement and went forward that way. So I was okay with knocking the price down because I knew that I was going to have constant work coming in. You might come into situations like that, which is a good thing. It kind of gets a bit more back to that contract style working. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if, if it's somebody who you're just going to be doing their, the first job for them, charge them what you want to charge them, charge them what you're worth, and do not waver on that price. And a couple of things, you know, they might try and talk you down a little bit. If you're okay with that, then you're okay with that. If not, then then don't do it. Uh, if somebody just completely scoffs at the price, um, you could do a, a number of things there. I would say if you're wanting this higher level of client, though, um, your best bet is just to say goodbye to them at that point and say, well, this is my price. If you don't like it, then... Um, I'm sorry, we can't do business together. I actually had this happen to me before and and I gave a, a very big invitation to the client to go out to other freelancers and figure out what they would charge. And I said, I think you're going to find that I'm going to be at least competitive, if not cheaper than everyone else. And you've seen you know, the, the quality of work that I put out. So I think I'm well worth this. So um, if you'd like to go check out some other people's pricing, I'd definitely do it. If you... Uh, if you decide that you want to come back and do it for the price that I laid out here, then I'm more than willing to do that. So um, I think that's that's more than fair, obviously, to to just tell them that, you know, if you want to check out other pricing, uh, be happy to do that. And uh, you'll probably end up coming back to me because I think my, my pricing is fair. Um, but basically, I mean, if they just if they think that you're trying to, to pull a fast one on them and charge them way too much, then this probably isn't somebody that you want to work for. And that's, I think that's probably one of the best indicators of who is going to value the work that you're doing and who is not. Um, do they want you to just kind of... Do they think you're doing busy work and you're just going to bang something out for them real quick? Um, those are the people that are probably aren't going to want to pay very much, um, but if you if you give them a figure and it's a decent figure it's what you're worth it's it's something that's it's going to end up in you know a, a pretty sizable price for a, a sizable project if they're okay with that then that's probably somebody that you want to work with but like i said i mean it's all it's all just dumb luck i would say i mean sometimes you come upon these clients that are great that value everything you do and they really understand the value it's bringing to their business and understand that, you know, there's a premium for that. You got to pay what it's worth. And then other times you're, you're going to run into those people that you only do one job for, and you just can't wait for that job to be over. And, and so you can be done with them and that's going to happen too. Um, but um, I guess the last point we kind of just, harped on it right there, is make sure that the pricing fits the quality of the service. You know, if you have a certain quality, a certain standard that you hold yourself to, which I hope you do, then you should be paid for that. You should be paid, you know, well for for what you do. And like I said, if the client doesn't like that, then that's probably not a client that you want. Now, there are those situations and this isn't really addressing Patrick's question. I think what we just said addresses Patrick's question more relevantly anyways. If you're in a situation where you're freelancing and let's say you lost your job completely and now you're relying solely on freelancing, well, then you might have to make some exceptions, you know? You might have to work some for some clients that that aren't necessarily pleasant or don't want to pay as much because you just need the money to come in. And that is a case where obviously it's okay if you have to slash your prices a little bit. I mean, you still need to try to not to. <laughs> you don't want to go into something saying, um, you know, you don't you don't barter with somebody like that. You don't go to, if you're in Mexico or something and you go to the store, they like to barter for everything. You don't offer them $100 for something that's that should be only worth $50. You start at $20 and you make them work your way up to $50. Same thing goes when you're doing a project. You don't want to go into it saying, "Uh, okay, I'm going to charge you $15 an hour. When you really think that you should be charging them $30 an hour, you want to start at the price that you want. And then if you're going to waiver at all, let them try and talk you down from there. And uh, that's just making sure that you're getting what you're worth. And you should always try and get what you're worth because you're worth a lot uh if you do the schooling if you if you train yourself at home, you know I really can't say i mean you have to know where your skills are, but if you go through any kind of schooling, a trade school like i did uh community college uh, four year university, if you do any of these things, you are worth quite a bit of money and don't let anybody tell you differently because you can you can charge a good price, you have the skills to put out the quality, and uh you can make a living doing that so uh it's it's all on you, though, to make sure that you get what you deserve. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website is uh, something that I came upon, I think, through the... Uh, which one was it? I think it was through the John Knack blog. And that's one that I definitely follow all the time. He's one of the uh, product managers for Photoshop and has one of the best blogs I've ever read. Comes up with some really great uh, links to different sites. So a lot of the ones that I find are probably from him. But this one is called Web Designer Depot, and that's webdesignerdepot.com. Uh, I always like ones, uh, as you probably know, that are about web design and kind of give, you know, some tutorial-ish type stuff. And they definitely do on this website. Some of it is... Uh, They actually have different things for freelancers as well. Um, There's also a post here that has free icons. So there's all kinds of stuff here, but there are some great things on web design as well. Some great inspiration pieces that you can look at. So uh, just a cool little website to check out. Again, that's webdesignerdepot.com, and uh, that's, that's our site for today. I want to thank everybody one last time for tuning in and uh, subscribing or downloading the podcast and checking it out, supporting us. Uh, Again, can't say it enough times. If anybody has a topic or a question that they would like to submit, get on one of the shows, then please do so. If you have the capability of recording some audio like Patrick did, then uh, go ahead and send it in. You can send it in in any format that you want. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Just try and make it sound at least a little bit decent. Uh, If you have like an iPhone or something, uh, you know, I'm sure there's apps on there that you can just go ahead and record your audio that way. Um, Just an idea there. But if you have some, some kind of way of doing it like that, you don't necessarily have to have a microphone and a computer and all that professional kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, if you want to do that, go ahead. If you, if you don't have that capability, then you can email me, rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's RD as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to com slash forum and put stuff up there. Uh, I do get up there every once in a while, so uh, hopefully I'll be able to find it up there. And um, again, I'm doing the Twitter, and my Twitter name is Rookie Designer, so there should be some something coming there. I've only done like one post so far, but uh, again, I'm going to put some kind of tips or links or pictures and in some kind of you know just things that i see around that i think are, are relevant to what we talk about so look for that coming up if you're on twitter and uh i think that's about it for this one so uh hopefully this will help you guys out if you're out there trying to freelance get a side gig going or uh uh, hopefully not. If you're in the same position like Patrick and, and you find that your full-time job is kind of not going so well and you need to start doing some stuff on the side, uh, hopefully these these uh, things that we talked about will help you out a little bit. Uh, feel free to, to ask me any other questions or anything like that, though. Like I said, I, I know what I know about freelancing. I don't know everything, but uh, I will definitely try and give my two cents and, and uh, give you guys some good direction. All right, uh, until then, just remember that everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.